and welcome to Market Talk. We've been away for a little while, but we're back with a vengeance now. Uh, joining myself and Andrew this week, we have Mike Floyd, who is the MD of Fife-based dealer Lovett's Group. And we have Gary Baker, who is the MD of eco-friendly equipment supplier, Intelligent Appliances. So thank you both for joining us this time. Um, I'm going to crack straight on with some questions for Mike. Now, Mike, you uh, uh, took over Lovitz with your wife, Pam, last year, didn't you? So can you just tell us a little bit about how that happened? Because you guys were kind of in the facilities management side of the industry. So it was a little bit of a change, yes? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I've probably been 30 years in facilities management. From a technical perspective, looking at technical facilities, maintenance and, and, and repairs and projects and things. So... I had run uh, pretty much a family-owned business, which was acquired twice. Um, so it was went from four million when I joined it, and a bit of trouble to about ninety million when I left uh, last year. Uh, and, and as I say, acquired twice. Haven't really, you know, haven't had a catering background as such, but I've always worked with catering, supply chain, subcontractors. I did work in an, uh, an exhibition centre for seven years, uh, and there was about seven kitchens feeding two thousand people. And, Probably the biggest part of my job was catering equipment and repairs. Um, so yeah, I was obviously working for a, a global company uh, out of lockdown, um, looking for a new challenge. Uh, I always felt my skills were more suited to a smaller uh, type company. I uh, felt I could make more of a difference uh, in the industry and make more of a difference in supporting some of the existing clients I've got. Uh, and just by chance, uh, Lovett Turnbull, who had run Lovett's for 30 years, was looking to retire. Um, and he was looking to try and find a way out. So, you know, along came myself and my wife and we acquired the business in July last year and haven't looked back really. So it's been a little bit of a baptism of fire. Uh, we're six, seven months in. Um, it's taken probably six, seven months to get an understanding of the technical aspects of what we do and understand a bit more about the technology, the types of uh, manufacturers' equipment and the types of contracts we've got. But yeah, absolutely loving it. Uh, it's been great and it's a great business. You know, people have been here 25 years plus uh, and there's some fantastic people which have inherited, which, yeah, when you have something new, you never quite know what you're going to get, but it's been fantastic. Yes, because Lovett's kind of uh, stayed on as a consultant to help that transition, hasn't he? So he is, what, yeah. how, have, how have you managed it to kind of smoothly transfer to yourself and to Pam? Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's, he's been pretty useful in terms of uh, being around the place. He's, uh, he obviously has got a lot of skills that, that I didn't have. So he's been working, certainly for the first number of months, uh, I was almost shadowing him to make sure that uh, I wasn't making a big mistake in terms of going off and doing something wrong. Uh, he's, he's probably taken a little bit of a back step now, um, more so because I've got more involved. But, uh, you know, he's, he's yeah, so he was here this morning. He's pretty much here most days. He, you know, getting to not turn up is a challenge rather than turning up. So... Uh, he, he's lived and read it for 30 plus years and uh, he's a fantastic mentor and, and, and someone to have on your shoulder to make sure that you're kind of on the right track. So, uh, But yeah, slowly but surely, uh, Pam looks after the kind of centralised functions and HR and she's done a huge amount of work on projects and the website. Uh, so we kind of work well together, do the technical bit and deal with the, the engineers in the field and she does all the kind of stuff that I'm not quite good, so good at. So, uh, so a good partnership. Uh, we did work together many years ago uh, in a business we had well, 30 years ago. Uh, so it's full circle uh, and yeah, both actually really enjoying the moment. 
Fantastic. Thanks, Mike. We'll, we'll, um, we'll delve a little bit deeper into the, um, the nature of the business and, and perhaps some of your expansion plans um, a little bit later on, but I'm just going to bring Gary into the conversation now. Um, Gary, you, you're, you're the MD of Intelligent Appliances. Um, now, I believe your, your company uh, had a sort of domestic appliances background originally, is that right? But you, you know, you're increasingly expanding into the, the commercial side. You now have some, some solutions that are, that are really fitting for the, for the hospitality market. Yeah, so that's right. Well, so my, my background is uh, I've been involved with the family business, which was CD UK, and we're the distributor of Corian in the UK and Ireland. Uh, so I was doing that. And uh, after a while, my father, um, at the age of about 75, decided that I was taking all his fun away. And um, so he set up Aruno, which was uh, our Italian designer, Cooker Hood. Um, uh, division, uh, which was the domestic side that uh, has sort of gone into intelligent appliances. Um, and then he retired and I had to sort of get my head around that side of the business, having had nothing to do with it. Um, and that sort of uh, came along just before COVID and then we went into lockdown. And, and I, I found some great uh, appliances that help people live a healthier life as well um, to be able to to put into um, that side of things and out of that decided that it was time to start a, a new business with the, the, putting the the Aruno and the, the new appliances together as intelligent appliances uh, and looking looking to start a business that um, really uh, added added to the planet rather than took away is an uh, un unstoppable force for good is what we're trying to do uh, generally doing the right thing. Brilliant. Now one of the um, products that you distribute in the UK is the Urban Cultivator. Which, um, which essentially allows you know, chefs and kitchen workers to grow their own um, kind of ingredients, ingredients, and ingredients yeah. Yeah, in their own kitchens. Can, can you give us some insight into to how that product works and, and where you think that fits into the market? So, uh, well, as you say, it's, very, it's a fully automated uh, hydroponic system that allows you to grow your own microgreens and herbs. Um, People have also used it for fermenting bread, for uh, germinating uh, plants uh, and fruit as well. So it's, it's very um, versatile. And um, in terms of the, uh, the commercial side of things, it, it's got, well, we're learning that it's got really varied use. So the, the obvious areas are around higher end restaurants, uh, hotels, um, and, and we sort of understood that quickly. Then we're finding that um, corporate catering uh, is, is becoming a good market for us. So companies like BP and Sky are already up and running with Urban Cultivator for their, for their own staff, canteen, restaurants, because firstly, they want to feed their own people well, and, and the microgreens and herbs are full of nu nutrition. They're very good for you. Um, and, you know, it's reducing the, the amount of meat and, and that side of things. And then they're trying to be sustainable as, as uh, employers and, and in the buildings that they run. And there's nothing more sustainable than growing your own on site. 
because yeah. it's a zero mile diet. So that combination is is uh, an area that I think is 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 only going to grow for us. Um, development kitchens, so where you're looking at future products and you you want control of maybe some more unusual ingredients and you want to be able to to experiment. Uh, it's a perfect solution for that. And then another area is around sports clubs. So uh, clubs like Liverpool are already up and running with the Urban Cultivator in terms of both their hospitality offering and uh, and the player player nutrition. Um, once again, the the quality of the product that you're able to to give people to eat is is uh, very good for you. And and with the sports scientists are, are understanding that and and getting on board with it. Wow, great stuff, Gary. So. Um... Can you tell us, are there any kind of misperceptions in, in the commercial market, especially about one of these kind of units and, and how much output do, does one of these provide? The urban uh, well, so the main misperception is that hydroponics equals marijuana growing. Um, <laughs> that, 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 let's get that off, off the table now. Apparently our, our, our bit of kit isn't brilliant for it. So um, I think the, um, the, the other area is around cost. Um, probably, you know, there is an up upfront cost compared to just buying your herbs and your, your greens going in. Actually, if, if you are use, fully utilizing an urban cultivator, you can get your capital outlay back in anywhere between 18 and 18 months and two years. Um, and, and more importantly, for, for us, actually, it comes back to what else it offers you. So the, the quality of the product that you are growing, it can far outweigh what you're able to bring in by the time it's been cropped, transferred, um, you know, how long it's been hanging around, whereas you're literally growing it and cutting it and eating it. Um, then you've got all the nutritional value, the extra taste. You're in control. As a caterer, you know, you've got the product there and then, and you can decide what to grow and, and when you want it. Um, and then add in all the stuff around we've been talking about a brand zero mile diet. So I think that for us, you know, it, it isn't a pure cost uh, benefit. Uh, well, just a cost analysis. It's cost benefit analysis that people uh, we're, we're trying to educate on. Um, and then in terms of what that means, so the the uh, XL, which is a larger version, has 16 trays. Uh, in it. So the smaller unit has four trays and those 16 trays are larger than in the smaller one. Um, and you can grow up to, well, it depends on, on the microgreen, but you're looking at 350 grams per, per tray. Now, if you think you're quite often buying herbs and greens in sort of 30 gram um, units. So you're 10 times per tray and you've got 16 trays and actually each tray is quite often split into two by the, by the users. So you can have up to 32 varieties going um, at one time. You can rotate them through, it's fully automated. So it, it allows you, you know, to, to process and, and have available an awful lot of microgreens and herbs um, uh, and, to experiment and have different ones going at any one time. Perfect, sounds really interesting. Um, I'll come back to you later, but we'll, we'll bring Mike back into the conversation now. So um, Lovitz has kind of historically had a specialization in the public sector. So is that something that you're looking to continue or are you going to branch out to other kind of uh, hospitality uh, sectors in the market? Yeah, I mean, public sector has been pretty good to us, certainly through lockdown uh, and through, you know, the, the various challenges by the past couple of years. The public sector has 
help sustain the business through that period. Um, but as part of the growth plan, we want to try and move, move not away from it, but move into other sectors and, and try and get a better blend of the type of markets we're working in, uh, you know, exhibition centres, uh, larger kind of corporate environments are, are probably ideal for what we do. We do quite a lot of work in universities at the moment and uh, colleges and, and, and uh, schools. So, you know, we've got a massive opportunity to, to, to grow in that sector as well. Um, but uh, essentially want to try and bring in other types of environments just to get, give us a better blend, uh, give us a bit more um, coverage round about Scotland, really, because, because obviously we're, we're kind of focused in the east area of Scotland and in the central belt. Uh, but obviously Scotland is quite a, a geographically challenging place to deliver. So uh, we need to get you know the right people in the right, place, the right places and build infrastructure as well. So uh, that's really what we're doing at the moment. We've increased our headcount by about 10% at the moment. Uh, and really that's you know planning for growth, really planning for our next steps, really, and our, our growth strategy across Scotland really is where we, where we're looking for. And, and, and certainly uh, we're trying to focus on the corporate, the, the, the kind of wider, a little bit of retail, but not too much. So just trying to get a better blend so that you know if anything happens in the future, uh, we've got a, you know a, we're managing risk a bit better effectively. I guess as well, Mike, um, you know, given your background, you're, you're naturally looking to expand into the facilities management side as well. How, how, how well does that dovetail with the catering side of things? Yeah, I mean it, it, it does already actually, because we've done sort of a lot of projects over the last six months where we, we sort of became a one-stop shop. You know, Historically, in my old world, the catering provider would do pretty much the catering installation and all the service would be picked up by yeah, another. Uh, what we've been able to do is add my skill set into that be, by adding in the services and adding in the, the bricks and sticks, for want of a better phrase, to make that a one-stop shop. So I think there'll be there's elements of already creeping in. Uh, there's elements I want to try and to use the advantage of. You know, sustainability was a huge part of what I did before. So there's obviously opportunities there to you know impact the uh, the environment less you know moving into smart buildings which is part of the facilities kind of pipeline we want to try and make sure the catering follows on to that as well so the equipment is part of that journey as well so you know, we don't want to be left behind because technology is moving at a, a quite a fast pace in in the facilities bit so we're part of the industry i've always seen us as part of being in that sector uh you know i want to try and do say more services and more services that we can deliver to existing customers. And so again, it's you know, I, I, I would see ourselves as being a solution provider. So our, our clients have got a, you know, a big bag of problems. We effectively have a tool bag for the solutions that we come along and solve those problems. So I think that's where we want to try and get to. But it's marginal gains for us. We don't want to, we're not going to take over the world tomorrow. We want to make sure that they, we, we do it right. We build the, the right team, the right resources and build the right partners in our, in our, in our sector to work with us to, to give our clients proper solutions, but yeah, we'll, we'll absolutely be, be moving into some of the other areas of technical maintenance that kind of mix and match into what we're doing. Uh, and it's again, similar, you know, concerns about compliance, you know, gas safety, all those things are kind of prevalent in both types of industries. So whilst they're kind of slightly different, they, they do uh, correlate really well. Yeah, brilliant. Um, obviously one of the big challenges at the moment is uh, everything we're hearing about en energy and the cost of energy. Yeah. Um, I just wondered if that's starting to feed through into your customer base now. Are your customers talking to you about their concerns around that? And if so, how do they think you can even sort of help them with that challenge? Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of things in terms of, uh, again, back to my old, old, old hat on predictive maintenance was a massive thing where 
you know, rather than visiting each piece of equipment, you know, twice a year or three times a year, if it, if it was working and we had technology to kind of check that it's remotely that it's working, then you wouldn't have to visit it. You could focus your time on the bits of equipment. You know, there's things you have to do like gas safety, electrical safety. But so there's elements where we can be more effective as a service provider. Uh, but there's also areas where, you know, where clients are, uh, and I've done it myself, monitoring uh, energy consumption on sites as well. And, and there's no doubt catering, kitchens, uh, the use of are, are quite significant in, in, in you know, clocking up the, the pounds. Uh, and it is becoming uh, quite an important part of uh, what we do in terms of our clients are, are, are you know, upset for the net zero or I've got a carbon management plan. So we, we need to play a part in that. And, it, and it's probably not uh, something that I feel the industry or the catering industry has played a, a huge part in. And it, it may be because it's maybe slightly further down the league table in terms of big consumers, you know, such as lighting and all that kind of stuff. But I think, I think as as as, as they, they kind of chip away at the the, the 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 kind of low hanging fruit, then the next stage is, is kind of looking at you know big pieces of equipment, which is what we install, uh, and you know can't be high energy usage. How do we make them more efficient? How do we use technology and innovation to maximise them? And you know not having you know can't be having running for six hours a day when actually only occupied for two. So. So it's a little bit about using the technology, a little bit about education, a little bit about um, setting, you know, setting targets internally and setting targets to work with our clients as well. So it's certainly something that I want to play a part in, something I've done before, but certainly something I want to try and proactively go to our customers and say, we can help you with this. Uh, our industry is probably, you know, technology is almost there. It's kind of, you know, it's coming along really quickly uh, in terms of the catering equipment. So we want to play a part in that and get, the right people to the party to, to add value. Okay. Great stuff. Uh, let's say it's certainly something that's top of the agenda for, for many companies in the industry. And that kind of theme is something I want to quiz you about, um, Gary, uh, is because obviously you're kind of a slightly outside perspective. So for, from your view, how, how green or how focused on sustainability do you think the food service equipment market is? I Honestly, I don't know, and I can't because I am new into it. So, if it's like most other industries, not green enough is the answer. Um, and I think all I can't change what's happened. None of us can. We just got to get on board with it really quickly. And it's about you know understanding that we we we've all got to do our bit. And there is you know it was, I'm seeing some great initiatives as the Sustainable Restaurant Association is making more and more noise and getting more and more people involved and. Uh, we've we've all got to do our bit, and I. In fact, we've got to do more than our bit. We've got to shift the dial. I think, and there's there's a couple of areas where we we can directly influence that as intelligent appliances. The first is is around growing your own, and I, I think some of the stats on on the importing of food in the UK are really scary, um, and so when it comes to winter time, fifty percent of our food pretty much is imported from overseas uh, so certain food types it, it gets up to 90 95 so le your lettuce that we eat in february because we want lettuce in february is you know pretty much always imported 
Um, and if you think about then the carbon uh, footprint of importing all that food uh, into the UK, that, that just simply isn't sustainable. And I think the pandemic probably taught us or hopefully taught us a bit more about our need to be self-sufficient and, and not reliant on, you know, we are an island. <laughs> and, uh, and, and let's look at that. Um, and I think the other area that is often forget, forgotten is end of life. So we are producing, uh, you know, appliances that unfortunately are full of uh, toxic chemicals. Um, now they're enclosed and uh, when we use them, we're not causing any damage most of the time. It's the end of life. If they are thrown away onto the, into landfill, you're putting lead, you're putting cadmium, you're putting mercury into our ecosystem. And that's a shit show, quite frankly. And, and we don't we don't realise quite what damage we're doing. So, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of tonnes of e-waste that go into landfill each year. Uh, only 30-odd percent of uh, appliances are recycled through a, a proper scheme so that leaves an awful lot of appliances that just you know are thrown away and then who knows what happens to them so from our point of view it's about offering well firstly trying not to get them thrown away so whether it be offering leasing solutions um uh, offering a collection pre-life and post-life we have a a collection tie up with a charity who'll come and pick up that uh, your appliance that you're no longer using um, and we'll between us we'll repurpose that we'll either look to resell it or even donate it because it, as long as it gets a home that's better than it just being chucked away so there, there's I think there's a there's a lot of uh, work to be done uh, firstly to make sure the appliance in the first place isn't full of bad stuff um, and isn't doing harm itself and then secondly what do we do with it to keep it it, unfortunately we have a society that says i'll use it for 10 minutes and then something better comes along and i'll just i'll just chuck it away and get something new and we're seeing that in terms of um uh, the fashion industry is is understanding very quickly that churning out new kit isn't necessarily the right way and you're getting the whole vintage and repurposing and reuse we've got to find we've got to create the equivalent um movement in in our industry i think yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very good point. So obviously, uh, Intelligent Appliance is your kind of raison d'etre is to uh, bring eco-friendly products to market. So how do you go about uh, finding uh, these uh, products, the, these pieces of equipment? Well, how do you... So I think there's a difference. So, so my, it, it's not that the products themselves are eco-friendly. So the, the important thing, so the products themselves are to help us lead, lead a healthier life. So up front, it's the, the product is, is around well-being and, and just it might be on air quality. It, it, so it, it might have an eco slant. It, it's a, so at the same time, it's then how we do in business in an intelligent and conscious way. And that's the whether it be leasing so all our products have a five-year warranty so we, we 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 only want to bring to market something that can and will last um and we we offer the ongoing servicing and support with a, a piece of kit so that you are using it because i think half the problem is often we buy stuff and then we don't understand how to use it we don't we get frustrated with it and we, it just sits there which is a pointless exercise we'd rather not sell it in the first place um, so we want to find people who who 
understand what they're doing with our appliances and then help them get the most out of it because then they're going to use it for longer and then if for whatever reason they no longer want it then we want to provide the solution and we can provide a solution to take it back and repurpose it and then as I say either we'll sell it again to a new loving uh, owner or um or we'll donate it to someone who will use it because there's charities there's uh there's schools there's any number of people who would use a really good bit of kit if it was given to. And Gary, just um, to touch again on the on the urban cultivator in particular, it, it, it's a it's obviously a great looking piece of kit. It's very visual um, from a theatre point of view. You know, obviously we look great in, in many locations. By the same token, you know, kitchens are kind of can be notoriously compact spaces, and if anything, they're, they're getting smaller rather than, than larger as, as a trend. How how are you sort of balancing that? dynamic when it comes to trying to grow the sales of, of those sort of appliances. Uh, thank you for reminding me because I'd forgotten to mention about the theatre of it so that's great. Um, I, I think it doesn't necessarily have to be in the kitchen because this is a, a an appliance for growing so the the um, a lot of the chefs and businesses who are using it are understanding that theatre and they're putting it front of house um, that so do you, we used to have aquarium you know aquariums and you used to go and pick the lobster that then died you know and it, which isn't appropriate anymore it's essentially that it's a much nicer and greener way of doing that so you go in you can see the greens the herbs that you're about to eat and the chef comes and cuts it or you could you know you can get the customer involved whatever you want and it it actually shouldn't be hidden away because it is it is uh including and showing how great the you know the, the whole um the whole piece is how you're involving the uh the customer the the growth is right there and uh getting them involved and helping them to understand how fresh the food is so why why hide it away fair enough <laughs> um, thank you thank you for the reminder <laughs> um and mike just coming again back, back to you now um how much of your business is driven by project sales? And is that an area that you're looking to, to get into more? Or are you, do you still see Lovett's being a very sort of service and technical driven business going forward? Um, yeah, I mean, we probably are probably in like about 10, 15% projects. Uh, we do some uh, really for existing customers. We don't, uh, historically, I think they've done lots of projects for, uh, you know, and commercial uh, restaurants and things in, in the local area. Uh, we've done quite a lot for uh, local authorities and schools over the past year. Uh, projects probably a big area for us in terms of growth. Is again back to my background. It is a, a, was a major part of a, my previous business, but it's an area where I think we can add value. Uh, but service and maintenance and projects kind of go hand in hand, really, because uh, it's up to us to advise our customers if equipment needs to be upgraded. You know, it's time to kind of change the way they do things. So. Our experience in that respect will help uh, grow the service maintenance side, but also help grow the project side. So it will get bigger. Uh, it will never be the largest part of our business because service and maintenance is pretty much what we do, uh, and it's our core skills. Um, but I think I think it's an area where I, I believe we could have done more to support in the past, and I believe it's something uh, that we can do more in the future. And most of my mantra is about in-house delivery. So whilst we you have used partners in, in various parts and partners in industry. It's certainly something I want to try and self-deliver. So it's areas where we're going to bring the people into our business to try and deliver those projects and you know advance what we do uh, from a from a you know skills percentage of how we do things and, and actually how we 
deliver those services and, and, and basically kind of give our end customers what they want. Uh, so it will get bigger, definitely. Yeah, Mike, as so you mentioned, that obviously you're looking to bring in a, a lot of new people. There's, yeah. there's a real kind of challenge with recruitment at the moment yeah. in all different areas. So has that been something that you've faced or is it actually a, a fairly easy for you to bring in skilled people? Yeah, it's massive, actually. It's probably one of the areas where uh, I probably hadn't realised uh, the, the dearth of uh, catering equipment maintenance uh, talent really uh, it's an area where uh, uh, you know they're not uh, hanging around on street corners there's not many of them out there so you need to uh, hunt low and low and far to find the right person particularly and um, so we've grown you know as I say we've grown quite a few members of staff since since I took on and really that's about growth but it's taken us seven months to get the right people in if I'm honest it's probably an area where um, going forward we have an apprentice here at the moment we, we need to kind of uh, cross skill some of our people. Uh, so we're looking at the moment where we can, you know, take our electrical people in terms of training them into other skill sets where they can add value in certain other aspects of what we do. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges in the industry for the uh, next five, 10 years really is, is getting qualified, experienced, skilled people through an apprenticeship that's going to add value to what we do. So uh, it's been a massive challenge. And probably one of the biggest challenges I've faced here actually uh, is getting quality skill people who uh, who are right for our business uh, and I think that will be ongoing for a while to come. Yeah it's definitely something that seems to be yeah. universal. Um, now yeah. unfortunately we're running out of time but I'll just fire one last question at you Mike. Um, if we were to come back and speak to you again in say a year or two's time how do you think Lovitz would have developed and changed by then? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll grow as a business, but uh, and we'll change some of the, the way we operate and try to add a new service. But essentially, our, our aspirations at the moment is to be the best service provider in Scotland. That's where we want to be. Uh, that's our single only aspiration. And it won't be me saying that; it'll be our customers telling us that is, is what we want to achieve. So, uh, and and really, no matter what we're doing, whether it's more projects, more services, more whatever it is, as long as we can contain uh, what we've got currently in terms of really good people, really good service, and you know, maximise what we do and grow on that and make ourselves you know, a bit more well-known in the marketplace, but also you know, keep to our core um, methodology of how we do things and keep our core ethos at heart and really, and, and that's what we want to achieve. And that's, why I've, that's what I've communicated to the team uh, since I came in here, that's really what we want to achieve. So whether it's a you know, a new piece of equipment or you know, a million pound project, as long as we are the best at what we do, I have no problem with that. And that's really where I'm, why I'm here now doing what I'm doing now, is I want to make sure that that's the case. And I think that's where, ask me in two years time, that's hopefully what will give you the answer to tell you what is we're the best service provider in Scotland, whatever we do. Excellent stuff. I love it. Really positive. So as I say, we have run out of time now. So thank you very much, Mike. Thank you very much, Gary, for joining us today. And yes, look out for the next episode of Market Talk. It'll be coming soon. Goodbye. Oh, 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 oh,